Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Good morning, everyone. We've been having a lot of fun this morning together, and I'm excited to be with you this morning to talk about fasting. (laughs) We began our third and final of our three habits, practices from the life of Jesus in our practice series, Practicing the Presence, last week. And we saw that the ancient practice of fasting, it is a means of training the soul. And we saw how each of us is, we did a little bit of what you'd call theology of the body. Each of us is an integrated body, soul, and spirit. And each of the spiritual disciplines, we've looked at fasting, we've looked at uh, Sabbath and prayer. Well, each spiritual discipline aims or targets itself mainly at one of those aspects of our humanity. And we saw how fasting is really a bodily practice that is aimed towards shaping the soul. The soul is that non-physical part of us that encompasses your mind, your will, your emotions. And so fasting is all about suppressing the needs, the wants of the body so that the soul can be put in alignment with spirit and with the spirit of God. And so it's our souls that are the part of us that actually get in the way of believing and trusting God. Last week, Delana was here teaching on when Jesus rebuked the disciples when they, when they couldn't cast a demon out of a, of a, a boy. They, he said, it's because of, because of your little faith. And so this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting, he follows up. And so he connects the lack of faith with a lack of fasting. And so Jesus said, if you want to grow in faith, fasting is a great method to do it. And so I actually, I, you know, I say I'm excited kind of jokingly, but I actually have been <laughs> about fasting, believe it or not, said no one ever. But, <laughs> but seriously, you know, I, I, I was in Bethlehem teaching last week and I kind of opened with a little bit of a confession that as a foodie, fasting is not my preferred discipline. And I haven't, so, I mean, quite honestly, I've not done a lot of it um, out of choice. And the little that I have done, it was in times of crisis, really. And so what does it look like to practice fasting? Yes, in times of crisis, but also just as a rhythm of our spiritual life. And so after last week's message and and digging into a little bit, I'd really never heard a lot of teaching on fasting, to be honest. But digging into it scripturally and in the, in, the, in the study that we're following, I actually started to become excited to find out what Jesus says. He says, if you fast before your father who is in secret, he will reward you. And I started having this, this desire to find out that reward. So our homework last week was to pick a day and to fast from sunup to sundown. And so 
I did that this week and, and had a really great experience. I don't know about you, but it was, it was kind of fun. I, I, I said we had friends over from the UK and we, we took him up to New York City that day. And I kind of, by sundown, I was like, I kind of want to just go till tomorrow. But we were in New York and, you know, we had to like try all the stuff with our friends. So, but it, it, it was, it was, I felt a nearness to God that has made me excited again to practice this week. The headache didn't last very long in the morning. <laughs> but you know what, guys? This, this is why I'm... This is why I have a, a hunger for this, no pun intended. I'm at a time in my life right now where I realize I need more faith. I need, more, I need a deeper, stronger trust for the Lord to move. In my life, in, in my, some situations with my relatives, and just in our church, I have a hunger to see God move. But this gets in the way, and this gets in the way, and this gets in the way. And so, Jesus said, when we fast before our Father, there's a reward for us. And why is that? It's because as we fast, we're declaring with our bodies that we desire Jesus more even than the legitimate needs of our bodies. And I believe that the reward is actually that we begin, as we're declaring that in faith, as, as this prophetic act of, of the discipline of fasting, as we declare it in action, we begin to actually feel it. We begin to actually desire him more. And as we desire him more, we get more of his presence. And so... Today we're turning, that was, last week was looking at fasting as offering ourselves to Jesus. Well, this morning we're turning to our second aspect of fasting, which is a means of growing in holiness. So our main text today is going to be from Galatians 5, 16 through 24. That's the passage. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia. And this is about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is God's word. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 16 that... If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
And Luke's version of that same verse says, must take up his cross daily and follow me. And I think you see that logic reflected in Paul's instructions here to the church in Galatia. That he's assuming the Christian life is shaped like a cross. That to follow Jesus means walking in the same way that he did, denying himself and even ultimately crucifying the flesh. And so, historically speaking, one of the primary ways to pursue this self-denial is through fasting. And so the first point to put up here is that fasting is a means of self-denial. And so the idea is that literally denying ourselves food, we're not only denying our bodies, we're denying ourselves. And so it's certainly not something that our culture conditions us to do. We do not live in a time in history where self-denial or denial of pleasures is seen as good, desirable, or even healthy. The denial of pleasure you're more likely to hear today is is called repression (laughs) or something that is harmful. And so we live in this great era of self-gratification. All those things that Paul describes as works of the flesh— We kind of live in the golden era, it seems, of works of the flesh. And so, just to pause here, that there's nothing that we just read in that passage should be read as demonizing the body, uh, your physicality. We saw last week that we are integrated beings. We are. The body's not just something you have, it's something you are. Something that God has shaped us to be body, soul, and spirit. And so there is no denigration of the physical. That is a Gnostic idea. It's not a Christian idea. It's not a Jewish idea. And so that is not what Paul's talking about here when he talks about the flesh. He's not talking about your physical body so much as your sinful nature in as much as it resides within your physical body. And so When we say flesh, we're talking about our natural sinful nature, not the body itself. Our fight is not against the body, it's against what he's talking about as the flesh. So, we have to remember as we're going all the way through this that our physicality, our bodies are not something to deny in order to escape it so that we become more godly by being spiritual at the expense of the body. Because actually our eternal destiny is embodied. Jesus resurrected not into just a spiritual state, but into a physical state, right? And so that's our eternal destiny. And so your physicality is not something to deny in order to escape it and transcend it, but in order to make it holy. And you might say, well, okay, sure, we should deny evil. We should deny the things that Paul's talking about there. But why should we deny ourselves good things. Paul seems to be talking about sinful, harmful things, but there's nothing wrong with eating, right? And that's true. But I want you to just hear the words of the the great African theologian, Augustine of Hippo. When someone asked him, why fast? He said, listen to this, because it's sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh 
in respect to licit pleasures, that's lawful pleasures, in order to keep it from yielding to illicit pleasures. So in other words, I don't know if you caught that. What he's saying is there is a link between our ability to abstain from food, which is an okay thing, and our ability to abstain from sin, which is not an okay thing. <laughs> what he's saying is if we don't have the, the, the ability, if we don't have the discipline of saying no to good things that we are allowed to enjoy, we will find it very difficult and perhaps not even possible to say no to the things that we are not designed to enjoy. Things that are actually harmful for us to enjoy. And so this is how we see, once again, I've, I've mentioned this several times through the series, that fasting, just like the other ones that we've looked at, it is a discipline. It is a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. It's a means to an end. It's a discipline, just like any other kind of exercise. Think of it as exercising your spiritual muscles. And the end to which it is a means is holiness. So simply put, fasting is a way to grow in holiness. All right, so I mentioned already, it's a self-denial not to reject the body, but to sanctify the body. To sanctify is the, the verb form of making something holy. Sanctification, the process of making something holy. It's setting something apart in order to make it different or special. We've talked about this recently, but you can think of the, you know, the picture of your grandmother's fine china set. It is special. It's holy. It only comes out on the very special occasions. That is something holy. And so... Did you know that you can be good and generally not sin a lot and still not be holy? You can be a decent person and not do terrible things all the time, but still not be holy. Because holiness doesn't just mean a clean plate. It means a plate that is set apart for a special purpose. Yeah? So you could, you could be a, a, a morally good person, a morally respectable middle-class citizen, and not be holy because holiness means dedication to God. It means devotion to God. And you know how I know this? It's because Jesus, when he started his ministry, he went out into the desert and he fasted for 40 days to set himself apart for the ministry. And you know what? Jesus didn't need to do that because there was any sin in his life that he needed to get rid of. He was setting himself apart. Devotion to God. And if Jesus needed to do it, I would suggest you need to do it. <laughs> and I need to do it. And so it's not about denying ourselves good things uh, just for the sake of suffering. It's for the sake of devoting ourselves to him. And this is, fasting is one of the most embodied ways, the most physical of ways to do that, to set ourselves apart for God. And so I, I just need to like, all the way through this, I've had to drum a, a, a certain correction over and over again, is that this, none of this is about earning anything. 
all right? None of this is about getting special brownie points with God. It's certainly not about becoming a Christian or getting saved by doing these things. Because guess what? Fasting is not actually a measurement of spiritual maturity. Neither is keeping the Sabbath. Neither is praying a lot, even. Now, spiritually mature people tend to do those things, but just doing those things does not prove you're spiritually mature because the measurement of spiritual maturity, according to Scripture, is love. And there's plenty of examples of people throughout Scripture who did tons of these things, and yet there was no fruit of love. And God says, this is not the sacrifice I'm looking for. And so, the disciplines are not signs of maturity. Love is the measure of maturity. But here's the thing. Fasting and the spiritual disciplines, they shape us, they can shape us when they're done in the right spirit. They shape us into more loving people because we, become, we, we come to look and resemble more of the character of Jesus. And so, fasting, in a way, it can make us more loving because it's a way of living out in our bodies what's already true of our spirits. So Paul said in our passage that the desires of the sinful flesh are opposed to the spirit. And the reason is when you're born again and, and you, you, you give yourself to Jesus and, and he enters your life and the, he, uh, the, the Holy Spirit uh, transforms you, gives you a new heart, makes you a new creation, your spirit is renewed. You're, you're a new creation. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. So you're redeemed, you're made whole, you're, you're just as if you never sinned. And yet, there's this tension within Scripture because while Paul also says, well, while Paul says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, he also says that it's a body of death. It's a body where, where sin is dwelling. Romans 7 says that sin dwells in our bodies, and you, you might be familiar with this, with this passage He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do, for I I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my body, in my members. And so when I read that, I I, I see him describing patterns of sinful thought, feeling, and action that are residing in our bodies. They're, They're ingrained within our kind of muscle memory. And so, even though there's a deep part of us, there's a deep part of you that desires holiness, that, 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 that longs to be like Jesus, to be with Jesus, your body, your flesh, your soul constantly fight against that. And so that's why he says in our passage in Galatians that the desires of the spirit and the flesh are opposed to one another. They keep us from doing the things we want to do. And so... Neither of these passages mentions the stomach specifically, but there's lots of other passages that do. And when you look through Christian history, it's significant, I think, that when you look at the seven deadly sins that come out of the the medieval church, the the first of the seven deadly sins was 
gluttony. And there was actually a logic to this because what they, what they noticed was when a person is unable to control their appetites for food, it's quite likely that the other appetites, the other desires will also be yielded to in their lives. And so they noticed that people that were undisciplined with regards to diet, it was easier for them to become undisciplined with regards to sexuality and so on and so on and so on. And so if the stomach wasn't in check, then these other areas of desire would often follow on from that. All right? And again, we're not splitting between, you know, body good, uh, sorry, body bad and spirit good. All right? That's not the thing. That's not biblical. That's not the point of the passage. <laughs> what it's recognizing is that there is this, I don't, I don't know if you can, I don't, I don't know anyone that's read that passage in Romans 7 and hasn't said, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah? Anyone who's trying to follow Jesus, we relate to what Paul's describing there because he's describing this feeling of inner tug of war. These, these desires at war with each other. And it's recognizing in this passage that a lot of our struggles are these habits, these patterns that are in, they're ingrained in our bodies. And so one day we're promised glorified bodies that will be completely free of sin and temptation and all that stuff. But right now, scripture says we are in the process of being transformed. We are in the process of what it calls sanctification, growing in holiness. And I want to suggest to you, this is kind of the point of the whole series, is that we play a part in that process. It doesn't only happen to you. Sometimes God does the miraculous and, and touches an area of your life and you find yourself no longer experiencing the tug of war that you once did. But I want to suggest that is not the norm in every area of life. Most of the time, we, we participate in our growth, in our growth in maturity. And so it's not passive, we participate. And Jesus has given us these tools, the very same ones that, that he used, that he lived in his life, that we call spiritual disciplines. And so fasting is one of these, that is powerful to sanctify our whole person. And so the next point here is that we fast to break the slavery of ingrained habits. And so there's an interesting parallel here between what's happening physically and what's happening spiritually. And if you, in, the, in this week's course materials, John Mark Comer gets into the science behind what's happening in the body when we fast. It's really interesting. And he, he talks about three distinct physiological phases that your body goes through as you fast. So for the first four hours after you eat, you're just digesting, all right? You're, you're digesting the food that you just ate. From 16 hours onwards, you, your body shifts into a different state, which is called ketosis. It's the basis for the keto diet, I guess. But after 16 hours, so imagine if, if you eat dinner at 6 p.m., this would start 10 a.m. the next morning. Your body shifts into, instead of burning glucose, you're starting to burn fat within the body. And so that's really good for you. But there's more. <laughs> After 24 hours, 
uh, of not eating, your body enters a different stage called autophagy. I had never heard of this before. It literally means self-eating. Sounds fun. <laughs> this is, this is it's, it's, a, it's from the Greek, meaning self-eating. It's, it's where your body literally begins to break down and cleanse from old and dead and damaged cells. Sometimes these are called zombie cells. And they're, they're called that because these are the types of cells within the body that, that contribute to aging. They contribute to co- uh, chronic disease. They contribute to things like cancer. And so sometimes doctors call this stage of autophagy the body's way of taking out the trash. And so dietitians love this stuff. It's no wonder, right? Now, the point is, and I, I, I love, I'm going to quote this from this week's podcast. I love how John Mark Comer puts it. He says, just to to note the parallel here, just as fasting is the body's way of purifying and purging your body of the zombie cells that are killing you, Christian history says fasting is your soul's way of purifying and purging your whole person of self-defeating cycles of sin and shame. The stuff that is in you that is killing you, that is dead and diseased and dangerous. And so the point is, we fast to feed our spirit, but to starve our flesh. Not just our bodies, but starve the flesh. And as we fast, as we're starving the flesh, we're feeding the body in several ways. And and there's there's four ways that if you you want to get into more detail on these, I'll just refer you to the course notes. But there's four ways that as we starve the flesh, our spirit is being fed. So first of all, fasting is purging us and feeding our spirits by weaning us off of what's called the pleasure principle. The pleasure principle is, it feels good, therefore I'm going to do it. Now, do you know who lives this philosophy out most truly, most effectively? Small children. Infants, toddlers, this is their life statement. This is their life philosophy, okay? This is their religion. It feels good, so I'm going to do it. It doesn't feel good, I ain't doing it. And you know what that tells me? (laughs) We live in a culture, not just here, but just the Western world in general, that is living in a perpetual infant state. A perpetual state of, I don't like that, therefore it it must be harmful to me, and I'm not going to do it. I like that, I want that, I'm going to do it, even if you tell me it's harmful for me. And so, we're living in a moment of great immaturity. If we have any chance of maturing, we have to learn a deeper principle. This, This just holds as a principle for life. If a child has any chance of maturing, they have to learn that sometimes you got to do the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you have to get out of bed and go to work, though you'd rather stay in bed. That's a hard truth for me to learn. (laughs) And this is why my generation came up with with the term adulting. (laughs) It's literally just doing what people have done since the dawn of time in the process of growing up. 
right? And it's got a different label now because we're living in a state of, of kind of acceptable perpetual immaturity. And so that's the first thing that, that fasting is doing for us is it's, it's, it's weaning us off of that pleasure principle. Secondly, fasting is helping us purge and break sin by revealing what's within us. Richard Foster, who wrote the classic book of Celebration of Discipline, he said, fasting reveals the things that control us. If you want to know whether you're addicted to something, try going without it for a, for a while, right? And it's only when we subjugate those, those needs and desires, even though they're, they're, they're legitimate, good, such as food, it's only when we subjugate those things or, 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 or submit them you know, to, to abstinence for a little while that we begin to see some of the underlying things that are hard to notice or hard to pay attention to when we're constantly fulfilling the needs of the body. And so those things have a chance to be brought to the surface and to be dealt with. And then thirdly, this is a point I want to put up, we fast to reorder our desires. As we've been talking about this and we read Romans 7 and that tug of war between our, our, the desires of our spirit and the, the, the impulses of the flesh. Do you have a particular area of sin, of temptation, that you just, you wish you could be free of, but it just keeps recurring, keeps coming back? Well, what we're seeing here is that fasting as a spiritual discipline can actually contribute to breaking the power of those things. Why? This is, this is where, this, this gets pretty deep, I think. The reason that this contributes to breaking the power of, of kind of ingrained or, you know, like habitual sins is that sin at root is, a, is an issue with desire. It's, it's an issue of uh, disordered desires. Desires that are in the wrong position in our lives. It's all about what you love and what you desire being out of order. Now, most of the time, so, you know, when we want to address sin, most of the time what we try and do is we we just address it, you know, head on, all right? So if it's porn, okay, well, just going to stop. Just stop it put a block on your phone, get, a, get an accountability partner. And if, you know, I'm going to measure the success by my not doing it, whatever it is. And so, <laughs> I remember as a teenager struggling with porn, I remember every single time I'd be tempted and fall into sin, I would be broken up inside and I'd promise God, That's, it's the last time, it's the last time. You know, and I'd make this vow. And you may know that's not particularly effective. <laughs> because what you find out that it's not just porn, I mean, name your sin. 
what you find out is that even though you make the vows, you, you, you swear to yourself that you're going to stop this thing, and you, you, you actually hate it. You don't want to. But no matter what the sin is, your desire somehow finds a way. Find, if you, you can put whatever you know, parental block on your phone you want to. Where there's a desire, the will will find a way. And so the problem is we're addressing this, this thing that we can see, but all it is is a symptom of a desire that's out of place. And so the real, the real way to attack it is to attack the desire. It's to fix what we desire that's driving us to this particular area of sin. And so how do you do that? You can't just make yourself desire something. That's the problem. That's the challenge. It takes being trained in a discipline. It takes not only stopping something, but training yourself with new habits that impact what you actually desire. And so, for instance, I mean, take, take, take you know, if you're addicted to sugar, the answer is not just to not eat the sugar, it's to fill the place with things that are healthier for you. And as you do that, you be, your tastes can begin to change and you begin to desire the things that are better for your body. And the things that were once disgusting to you, kale, <laughs> all of a sudden, God can do miracles and all of a sudden that, that thing starts to look more desirable than, than the Snickers bar. It, you know, God, we need more faith. I'm not getting faith here right now. <laughs> it takes being trained in a discipline. And, and remember, remember this definition of a discipline. A discipline is something within your power to do that, enable, that, that trains you to do something that's not within your power to do. All right? And so fasting is a spiritual discipline that reorders your desires because it denies these bodily desires in favor of a spiritual desire. It, it pushes one desire to the side for, for a time being to put primacy on spiritual desire. It prioritizes this deeper hunger of our spirits over and above the hunger of the body. And so what it, what it is, is a, it's a realignment of desire. And what is the fruit of that desire? When, when our desire is the things of the spirit, Paul says, he gives the list. It's the famous list of nine aspects of this one fruit. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. And so fasting, I think, in particular has to do with that last one of the nine, this thing of self-control. It's training us in self-control and self-discipline. Self-control is the ability to say no to something you want to do, but it's bad for you in the long term. And self-discipline is your ability to say yes to something you don't want to do because it's good for you in the long term. And so the idea is that as we train ourselves in self-discipline and self-control, it reaps fruit and benefits further on in our lives. 
Jesus, for instance, he was not, you know, when he was on the cross dying for his enemies, his ability to do that didn't just come by gritting his teeth in the moment. It came from the entire shaping and training of his life. The self-control, the self-discipline that it says that he had to learn. He had to learn obedience as a son. And so fasting is training us in both. And so what if starting small with things like our ability to say no to something we want to eat later on in our lives might give us the ability to say no to something we really want to do that might destroy our lives? What if your, your training in self-discipline and self-control with regards to a small thing like food might one day save you with the ability to say no to this affair that might present itself at a stressful moment in your life? The response to that moment is not just out of your willpower in the moment. It has to come out of the quality of how you've trained your character. And so fasting is training us in both of those things. And as we do it, we're setting ourselves apart for God in a physical way so that the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit can set us free from things that in our own effort, we don't have power to, to, to get free from. And so there's, there's some of us here whose marriages might be struggling there's some of us here with situations that we, we, we want to see change and we, we're powerless to change them. There might be addictions. There might be things that when you face up to them, these circumstances, you need the power of God. And so my challenge to you is why not begin to fast and trust him to do something that's not within your power, in your flesh, in your, in your thinking, your ingenuity, your intelligence to be able to do? Why not do something that's within your power to do so that the Spirit of God can do something in you that you're not able to do? And so this week, as we pursue fasting as a way to grow in holiness, I believe we're going to experience more of the presence of God. There's a direct correlation between your holiness and your, your experience of the presence of God. So I'm going to bring us to a close here. I want to pray before I give you our, our homework for this week. Maybe we can end with a, a chorus or something. But Father, we just want to come before you right now. Lord, and whatever you're bringing to our minds, Holy Spirit, those sins, those, those areas of stronghold and struggle that we so long to be free from, Lord, that we're so frustrated that we, our best attempts have fallen short. Holy Spirit, come and do something powerful within us. Lord, as we dedicate ourselves, as we devote ourselves through this, this bodily practice, Lord, would you increase our faith? Would we begin to trust you at a level that we've never found ourselves trusting you before? Would we begin to trust you to move mountains, not only in our own lives, but in other people's lives? 
in our families like we, we sang this morning, in global situations and wars and politics and economies, Lord. Jesus, we long to be like you, to be near to you. Come and meet us, Lord, as we devote ourselves to you through this practice of fasting. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062.